1: This summer, when the sun's down, turn up the fun at Cedar Point Nights. The ultimate after-dark beach party is every night from July 29th through August 21st. Dance with throwback DJ sets, challenge your friends with beach games, or just take it easy at fire pits lining Cedar Point's legendary mile-long beach. Then enjoy the new Lake Erie Luau, a food experience like no other. For a limited time, get park admission, luau tastings, and parking for just $69.99. Only at CedarPoint.com.
0: absolutely anybody could be like mary be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and play for free now no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner
1: this episode is powered by pod Poddecks are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm
0: of your hand
2: Welcome to the Cinema Gold Show, I'm your host, Larry Leese. Today we're diving into the latest box office news, movie news, and streaming news from around the industry. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Show, I am your host, Larry Leese. Today we're diving into the latest box office news and movie news from around the industry. First we'd like to thank our sponsor, Poddex, for sponsoring this episode. You can check them out today, poddex.com, and be sure to use promo code Larry21 when order for Pogdex. It helps the show in a small way. And our first main topic, Spider-Man No Way Home box office saves theater in a pandemic-stricken year. A little picture starring a young upstart actor named Tom Holland arrived in theaters over the weekend, and it's called Spider-Man No Way Home features a popular costume superhero you may or may not have heard of. As it turns out, this fellow is quite popular all around the world, and that led to one of the biggest box office rollouts in the history of cinema, not just since the pandemic of all time. While everything else just got absolutely snuffed out and trampled in its wake, this movie's downright spectacular performance proved that global event movies can still be a thing on record-breaking levels, just how every sort of person will still go to the movies under the right circumstances. So let's dig into the numbers, shall we? Director John Watts' Spider-Man: No Way Home is riding a wave of praise from critics and massive online hope. Hype, excuse me. It opened to a downright stunning 260 million domestically. That number comes directly from Sony Pictures, making it the second biggest domestic opening weekend of all time, trailing only Avengers: Endgame at 357 million. Estimates pre-release handed at 253 million. Which would have put it just below *Avengers: Infinity War*, 257 million. Just to put these numbers into the context. The biggest opening weekend prior prior to this since the pandemic belonged to *Venom: Let There Be Carnage*, which opened at 90 million, roughly 2.9 times less than *No Way Home*. To further showcase just how big this is, *Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings* had been the domestic box office champion for 2021 earning $224 million during its entire theatrical run. And make no mistake, that was a damn good number, but Spider-Man beat it handily in a single weekend. Globally, it opened to $594.2 million, making it the third largest global debut in history. Taking in $334.2 million in overseas markets, it made for a staggeringly flashy opening, the kind that we thought might never see again in theater, theatrical marketplace. The only movies to ever open bigger are Adventure's Endgame at 1.2 billion, Infinity War at 640.5 million. But hey, it's the MCU's world, and we're just living in it. Nightmare Alley and everything else suffered tragically. Unfortunately, the success of the latest entry in the Spider Man franchise was seemingly detrimental to literally everything else. To that end, Guillermo del Toro's *Nightmare Alley*, a prestige drama viewed as a serious Oscar contender, debuted in 2000 theaters this weekend, earning a miserable 2.95 million, with an estimated budget of 60 million. That's just as bad as Steven Spielberg's *West Side Story*, debuting to just over 10 million last weekend against a hundred million dollar budget. Speaking of *West Side Story*, it will not lag. Leg out like The Greatest Showman did a few years back, as it plunged 67% in the second weekend, taking in just $3.4 million. It has made only $27 million globally thus far, while a long Christmas weekend may get families out to see it here in the coming days, just isn't going to get anywhere near a face-saving number for Disney's studios. Also of note, Nightmare Alley, which serves as a follow-up to Del Toro's Best Picture Oscar winner, The Shape of Water. Is also a te- technically Disney movie hailing from Searchlight Pictures. Why did Disney release Nightmare Alley the same weekend as No Way Home, knowing full well that would likely steamroll the competition? It's a great question and possibly something to address in detail elsewhere, but it's truly a shame for those who want to see more in theaters than just gigantic blockbusters and horror movies, like so many other movies that will be in the awards season conversation All that can be hoped for is a boost once major award nominations and wins begin rolling in. But it will likely be a year of award winners that relatively few people have seen, save for maybe Dune. Much has changed. To illustrate just how little there was left on the table for any movie not having Spider-Man in its title, the other 9 entries in the top 10 this weekend grossed just over 21 million collectively. Nine movies combined couldn't make a tenth of what No Way Home did. The tenth spot was straight up fighting for table scraps as Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City took its last gasp of breath, taking in 280,000 in its fourth weekend. Just to give another example from relatively recent history, The Weekend Star Wars The Force Awakens opened six years ago around the same time in 2015, and it made 247.9 million domestically. That was a record number back then, but that same weekend, Album and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip, opened as well, making 14.2 million, while The Comedy Sisters also opened, earning 13.9 million. Both were successful examples of counter programming. For further context, <laughs> the other nine entries in the top 10 that weekend grossed nearly 55 million. And the rest? Disney's Encanto took the number 2 spot with 6.5 million, giving it 175 million globally. That's not too bad on the covert curve, but it's not what any studio wants for a big budget animated musical with great reviews hailing from Lin Manuel Miranda. The movie arrives on Disney Plus next week, which likely means it will be very lucky to cross the 200 million mark. That might be fine if Disney looks at it as a streaming play with a theatrical component. Ghostbusters Afterlife continued to perform well enough, taking in another 3.4 million in its fifth weekend. It now sits at 173 million globally. It might be able to get to 200 million, but it's looking less and less likely by the day. However, its 75 million dollar budget will allow this to be a success either way at this point. Ridley Scott's House of Gucci added another 1.85 million, coming in sixth. It now stands at 106 million worldwide. If it can hang in there throughout an award season, it might make back most of its 75 million budget, though it won't turn a profit in its theatrical release. Marvel's the Eternal came in at number 8 and took in 1.19 million, now just 300,000 away from crossing the 400 million mark. I fully expect to be talking, talking about the divisive superhero flick crossing that milestone. Looking into the Holiday Weekend, did The Kingsman, the long-delayed prequel to The Kingsman, Matrix Resurrections, and Sing 2 attempting to take some shine away from Spidey and the villains of the Marvel Multiverse. One the most exciting news of the day, well, at least for me, is Paul Dano's Riddler and the Batman was inspired by the Zodiac Killer. And a side note, Zodiac Killer is one of the most interesting serial killers to me, thanks to its unsolved case status and mystery surrounding the identity of the Zodiac Killer. Well, let's dive into this latest news. One of the many reasons why Matt Reeves was such an exciting pick to direct Batman is his willingness to bring unexpected yet dramatically on point inspirations and influences to his work, and not solely in terms of other movies. Think of how Reeves turned the trilogy capper in the new Planet of the Apes films into not just a David Leon-sized epic, but a downright biblical tale when he transformed the ape leader Caesar to a very thinly veiled allegory for Moses leading his people out of slavery and into the Promised Land. Of course, we are among that the many who picked up on the cinematic markers for the Batman Reeves had obviously laid down in the aftermath of our extended look at the film earlier this year. The DC Fandom trailer was not shy about flaunting its David Fincher vibes, particularly from Fincher's acclaimed serial thriller, serial thriller killer 7. But with regards to the main villain of the Batman, Reeves turned to some of the darkest pages of history to help craft a modernized and much more chilling take on the Riddler, namely the Zodiac Killer. If you ask us, the fact that Fincher also happened to direct Zodiac is just the icing on the cake. The idea of drawing from real life influences to add a deeper sense of relevance and meaning to comic book characters is hardly a novel concept. Going back even farther, contrary to popular belief, than, um, than Christopher Nolan turning the Dark Knight into a post 9 11 parable about terrorism, surveillance, and the cost of security, that said, there's no mistake that. There's no mistaking the similar DNA running through the veins of Matt Reeves the Batman. That connection only grows even stronger with Reeves' latest comments which feature in the February 2022 issue of Empire Magazine. According to Reeves, the need to create a unique take on Riddler after Jim Carrey's cartoonish, quipping villain in Batman Forever led him down a very dark path. Visual references to the Zodiac Killer, further ingrained in our minds thanks to Fincher's Zodiac, have been apparent since our first look at Dano's Riddler. The goggles and hood are almost a perfect match with the Riddler's unique markings on his suit, immediately calling to mind the distinctive crosshairs insignia that Reeves himself mentions. At the same time, however, Dano himself is quick to dispel the notion that the villain is nothing more than a copcat or a real life serial killer. Can't wait to see how Reeves strikes that balance when the Batman arrives in theaters on March 4th, 2022. And now to some sad news. Lauren Michaels believes that the 50th anniversary of SNL would be a really good time for him to depart. With the 50th anniversary only a few seasons away, will we see SNL without its leader in the near future? Saturday Night Live has been a weekend staple for audiences for decades, as the late night variety show has kickstarted the careers of the many beloved comedians, like Bill Hader, Tina Fey, Eddie Murphy, Bill Murray, just to name a few amongst the ever-growing list of stars. Now the man running the comedy juggernaut, Doug Lauren Michaels, may be, stepping, may be stepping down soon. Michaels created the show in 1975 and holds the record for most individual primetime Emmy Award nominations at 94, winning 20 of those awards. SNL holds a similar record as the most nominated TV series with 86 wins out of 296 nominations over its nearly 50-year run. In an interview with CBS Mornings, Michael Michaels discussed the idea of leaving the show after its 50th anniversary, which will begin in a short three years. He said, quote, You know, I think I'm committed to doing this show until its 50th anniversary, which is in three years. I'd like to see that through, and I have a feeling that'd be a really good time to leave. I won't want the show ever to be bad, I care too deeply about it. It's been my life's work, so I'm going to do everything I can to see it carry on. Wouldn't be the first time Michaels has stepped away from the show. In 1980, Michaels left the show for a five-year period which marked a decline in viewership and executive fighting. Michaels returned to the show in '85 and has remained ever since. Time will tell if Michaels actually steps down from his long tenure as executive producer and who will step up to fill his shoes, especially as the pandemic persists. Recently, SNL canceled its live audiences due to the Omicron variant surge in New York. Due to the reduced cast, the episode featured previously recorded sketches. This marked the show's last episode of 2021. And finally, Brad Pitt's upcoming film, Bullet Train, has been rescheduled to summer 2022. Bullet Train, the upcoming action film starring Brad Pitt and Sandra Bullock, has been delayed to summer 2022, which was originally The film was originally set to be released in April and has been pushed back to July, right in the middle of the summer blockbuster season. Bullet Train follows five assassins who all find themselves on a fast-moving bullet train and realizes that their individual assignments are connected to each other. The move to its new release date of July 15th will see Bullet Train opening up against not much in terms of big films, where its previous release date would have been open on the same day as Sonic the Hedgehog 2. However, it find itself competing with Marvel's Thor Eleven Thunder, which opens the week before on July 8th. Jordan's Jordan Peele's Nope, which opens the week after on July 22nd. Bullet chain Bullet Train, excuse me, comes from director David Leach. The director behind such action movies as Deadpool 2. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. And the film is based on the novel. Maria Beetle by Japanese novelist Kotaro Isaka. You can watch Bullet Train exclusively in theaters when it comes out on July 15th. And finally, our segment that we enjoy the most on our podcast is the deck segment. And today I'm actually going to pull a question out from a deck I haven't used in a while and where's it? called it film buff it's available on the pondex app and today's question is harry potter or the hunger games i'm gonna go with the hunger games it's a little more For me, it's a little more interesting, and I like the action, and I like the battle royale story style setting, and I was just never into Harry Potter, it's just, to me, wizards get old after a while, I mean, you had Lord of the Rings with Gandalf, it's like, eh, I'd rather watch, I'd watch Hunger Games multiple times in one setting than watch, any Harry Potter movies over and over and over. But that is all we have for this episode. Thank you so much for watching and listening. As always, you can find us on Facebook at Cinema Gold Show, Instagram Instagram at The Cinema Gold Show, and Twitter at Cinema Gold Show. As always, if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at BuyMeACoffee.com/slash Gold. Your financial support helps the show grow. And by upgrading our technology, finding new, um, getting better equipment, bringing in new hosts for the show that we can possibly um, hire, um, improve our content, bring in um, live events from different locations. So yes, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com/slash-cinema-gold if you'd like to support the show. Link is in the description. And as always, thank you so much for choosing Cinema Gold Show. We'll see you tomorrow. You have been watching the Cinema Gold Show. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema Gold Show. Find us on Instagram at The Cinema Gold Show. And on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Cinema Gold Show.